you're a visitor with us this morning, we especially welcome you. Maybe that's already been done, but uh, we just especially welcome you if you're a visitor this morning. Okay, welcome to our final chat on this theme of hardness and fruitfulness. Over the last eight weeks or so, we have been uh, looking at this. Uh, For those of you who haven't been with us, we've been looking at uh, areas of hardness within our hearts, within our lives, that are causing us to be a little less fruitful or or unfruitful uh, than what God has called us to be. David, a couple of months ago, shared with us the area of, or the thought of us living with blind spots. Um, Does anybody know what a blind spot is? It's something that somebody else can see in you, but you can't see yourself. And uh, and so David highlighted that with us a couple of months ago, um, the area of blind spots. And sometimes it's only in living in this in this idea of community and this idea of, of, of church life that these things can be exposed. And God wants to expose them in an area of uh, the, where we can be vulnerable uh, and in love that, uh, that we can uh, maybe deal with those. Neil shared with us early on within this season that we're not, we're not uh, going through this to make people feel guilty or full of shame in any way. We're just... We're just going with what the Holy Spirit is leading us to go with, that, uh, that the Holy Spirit will expose these things. And, uh, and so through the help of the Holy Spirit, that we can uh, deal with them and be all that God has called us to be. And so that's where this word fruitfulness comes from. God wants us to be fruitful. Two things that I have enjoyed in this serious series is uh, one is, is some of the things that we have been allowed to chat through, and uh, and the, the most of 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 what we've spoke on this over the last eight, eight weeks is on SoundCloud. You can follow it if you want. Some of the stuff that Neil and David both have shared on this series has has just really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, the second thing that I've really enjoyed as we have gone through this series, I'm feeling quite a wee bit sentimental, a wee bit emotional because we're ending this series, but uh, the second thing that, that I have enjoyed in this series is, is actually the conversations with people after, after we, we have this time together. Conversations, some of you, God is highlighting stuff in your lives. And as a result of it being highlighted, you're, you're trying to deal with it or you're asking the Holy Spirit to help you deal with it and work through it. And, uh, and in exposing it has, has just opened up new areas of your heart. Areas of your heart that has been closed and maybe hardened off because of disappointment, maybe because of, 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 of being annoyed or be, being let down or, or thinking something in the wrong way. And you've closed off areas of your heart. And so hardness has, uh, has, has happened there. God wants to open those areas of hardness. God wants our hearts to be open. My disclaimer right at the start of this series was from Psalm 103. Where it says, God isn't here to condemn us. 
If you're feeling condemnation, that's not from God. God is not here to condemn us, but he's here for our good. And that's what the Holy Spirit is called to do. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth for the sake of fruitfulness. We looked at the parable. If you have your Bible um, and if you've been with us, you've, you've known that we've went through the parable in Matthew chapter 13. Where Jesus used this parable to try to chat through with his followers what the kingdom of God looked like and what it looks like. And what Jesus did was he told a story, a story about a farmer. I've said that word, a farmer again, haven't I? A farmer who goes out to sow seed. And this seed fell on different types of ground. There's four different types of ground represented. And And the seed represents God speaking. We've already heard that this morning. That God wants to speak to us. God wants to speak to us in many different ways. He wants to speak to children through shoeboxes. He wants to speak through maybe people who have been chained up or in bondage through prophetic words. He wants to speak to us through, uh, Ian showed us this, this book here, the Bible. He wants to speak to us, through, to us through community, through church. And we're going to see later on how many different ways God wants to speak to us. But these soils represent hearts. There's some good soil. There's some, some hard soil. There's some stony soil. There's some thorny and, and weedy soil. And they represent hearts. And you know what? They can represent our hearts at different stages of our lives. Just because your heart isn't hard now, something can happen down line that can cause hardness. Maybe your, stone, your heart doesn't have weeds and thorn bushes growing in it. But maybe something might happen down line and the condition of your heart can change. And what we've tried to do is to just relate those stories back to our own experiences of what, uh, and, and work out what God wants to say. And so we talked about the path the hard ground, the ground that has been trampled on. And we brought out the fact that it's fears and worries and doubts that cause hard ground, going over and back in our mind. You know how fear goes over and back in your mind, how worry goes over and back in your mind. And what it does, it hardens the heart. Doubt comes in. And so what happens is the seed can't get any penetration in that type of heart. God's God's speaking but we're so hardened because of doubts and worries and fears. And what we brought out in that series was this man, King David. King David, the man called by God, where did he end up? He ended up in the enemy's camp in fear for his life. God called him to be the great king. But because of fears and worries and doubts, he ended up that he was, rescu- uh, um, uh, he was hiding back in the enemy's camp. He had backslidden because of hardness we looked at the stony ground and the rocky ground we looked at how hurts and disappointments build up within our lives how uh, and how if they're not dealt with correctly we just carry them along we become stony ground and God's word tries to get in tries to take root in our hearts but because there's so many stones and rocks that we've carried along there's, there's no room for that and, uh, and we've looked at the fact that those hurts and those, 
those disappointments that are usually caused by somebody else. David spoke on that last week. He talked about words, the power of words. If you haven't heard that sermon from last week, please go on to SoundCloud and, and listen to it. It's brilliant. It's so good that my gym instructor, who isn't a Christian, listened to it and wrote a series for his gym members on the power of words and how negative words are. Words are powerful and they cause hurt. But the people who hurt you probably don't realize they have. And you're, you're walking around with all these hurts within you and the person who's done it doesn't even know. We brought out the fact that how they keep us out from what God has, but also they hem us in because they hold us they, they don't let us go beyond the boundaries what God has called us to do. All these things add hardness, stuff we carry, stuff we've allowed to take root. And you know what they do? They kill joy. They kill excitement. They kill what David spoke about, the awe and wonder of being a follower of Jesus. That's why I'm excited that David shared that before I did. And that's where God's speaking into people whose hearts have been dulled, whose joy has gone, who has lost the awe and wonder and excitement of following Jesus. I've read that down, if anybody wants to come and look at that. I'm not just following what David said. When, when God speaks like that, he's speaking into hearts, and we need to listen. Maybe you're saying, you know what, I do a lot of stuff for the kingdom. I, we've come to discover that there's sometimes people need to stop. We need to stop. We need to examine. We need to look. We need to taste what we are producing in our lives. I've come across so many people busy in the kingdom, but joylessness has become their friend. There is no joy. There is no excitement. There is no awe. There is no wonder. But we're busy doing stuff for God, aren't we? We're busy. The fruit of their lives. What is the fruit of your life? They say the heart, the mouth is the overflow of your heart. Your heart is your life. It's your soul. It's your innermost being. And out of it, out of it, the mouth speaks. The mouth is that overflow. And the overflow of these people's mouths is skepticism, is criticism, is bitterness, is harshness. This hardness. The fruit of these people's lives is they, for some reason or another, have set them up themselves up in positions of being judges. They're perfect, but everybody else isn't. Neil talked uh, last Sunday night about one of the things that saddened him about the U.S. elections. Well, one of the, the things that concerned me about the U.S. elections is this. It concerned me how many people had opinions and aired those opinions via Facebook and social media and liked things and liked opinions and hadn't this opinion on how a country of or sorry, 320 million people should run their affairs. So many people were so dogmatic about that. 
and yet they have no control over their own lives. That amazes me. That, that, that just blows my mind. The people whose lives are completely out of chaos, yet they can post how 320 million people should live their lives. You know, sometimes farmers can be like that. Farmers can be good at telling other farmers what they should be doing. Farmers can be good at giving other farmers how to give an opinion on how they should be farming their land. And sometimes our hearts can be like that. We live actually in, a, in an era where that is really what we all are. We're all experts. All of a sudden, we've all become experts on how and what everybody else should do. We've become experts in living our lives through other people. We've become experts in living and telling other people what they should be doing and what they should be doing for God. And yet we neglect the thing that God has called us to do. The problem with living that type of a lifestyle, the problem with us moving into that type of an era where we have an opinion and we want to live everybody's life is when God speaks to us, because we have that mindset, we will only we will do what God calls us to do with that in mind ourselves. We will only do what God calls us to do if it looks good where other people are concerned. We'll not live that dangerous life where or that life that we talked about way back in Acts where we're we're called to be spontaneous, where we're called to take risks where we're called to pray for someone and walk across the street with a word for someone. We'll not do it because we're afraid of what other people think. You know what? If if some of these things are are things that you've found in your own heart, you've lost the excitement, the joy, your heart has changed condition, then um, we need to be like that good farmer or that good gardener. We need to be ruthless and plow open the ground plow open the ground of our hearts we use this verse from Hosea uh, Hosea 10 verse 12 uh, where Hosea says this when he calls his people to repentance he says break up the hard ground for it's time to seek the Lord and if you do he will come and rain righteousness upon your life or the other translation it's time to plow open the hard soil he's talking about the heart here it's time to dig in with God. It's, and if you do, he will arrive with righteousness and that righteousness will produce a harvest. Farming's hard work. Uh, for any of you, hands up who has any connection with farming in any way here. Okay, five of us. You know what? I just want to put in a wee caveat here. Amelia, there's a story Amelia loves me to tell her um, about after when Jesus, when Jesus is born in the stable. She'll always say, Daddy, the angels. What about the angels? What about the big surprise, Daddy? And, uh, and so uh, it's that part of the story where when Jesus is born and, and the angels go to this bunch of farmers sitting on the mountainside watching their sheep. 
And they're the first ones that are told about Jesus. And they go and they worship him. And that's, that's how important farmers are. They were the first ones on the scene. They were the first ones called to worship Jesus. So never look your nose down on a farmer. Farming's hard work. If you see a successful farmer, be guaranteed of this one thing. He works hard. He's not lazy. But in this story, uh, in Matthew chapter 13, at the end of the story, uh, they talk about this soil, this good soil that is ready, that receives the seed and produces a harvest. And for the soil to get to this state, it's hard work. Farmer just doesn't waken up some morning and the soil's like that. It doesn't happen. First thing he needs to do is he needs to plow open the ground. And so he gets his big tractor and plows open the ground. The second thing that he does is he comes along and he discs the ground. I'm giving you a good agricultural lesson. You can all go and get your degrees in agriculture after we're finished this series. But he comes along and he discs the ground. And that's, a mach- that's a, an implement that's used to break up the hard lumps in the ground. The ground's opened up, but there's hard lumps uh, underneath. The, the uh, next part of the process is harrowing. Harrowing like, brings the soil down into a powdery state. And what happens also is at that point is that the stones and the debris and, the, uh, and all that stuff that shouldn't be there can be removed. You like all my John Deere's? Kelly likes John Deere's. For those of you who don't know, Kelly would like to marry a farmer, and she is loving this series. The next picture shows us again that ready soil. The ready soil. The farmer has the soil ready. And there's a, there's a moment that happens here within a farmer's life. He stands back for a moment and he will admire something like this. If you're a farmer, you'll understand what I mean. It's called a ready field. The field is ready. He's taken something that's old and tired and worn out and he's created something new. Sounds a bit like what God does for us. He takes us when we're tired, worn out, and done and creates something new. Last weekend, that's as far as I was with this message. But I really sensed that God was saying something more. He wanted to inject something more into our lives. Let me go on a wee bit of a ramble. Maybe, you've, maybe you're going to say you've been rambling enough this morning. Let me go on a wee bit of a ramble. Yeah. Do you ever have that plate time in your life where you have these, all these thoughts that are just like going around and around? And sometimes we just need to take a little bit of time and grab a few of them and pull them, like earth them down. And so I'm going to go on a bit of a ramble and tell you some of the thoughts that have been flowing around in my head. Neil, a couple of months ago, shared a verse from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And I thought this was brilliant. Before God created us, he had a purpose in mind for our lives. Is that not amazing? That before he created, he didn't just create you and then think, what am I going to do with you? He actually had a purpose 
and then he created you. Second thing that, uh, that's going around in my mind over, over the last week or a wee bit more is that uh, I've been speaking with some homeless people, some people within business and some people on, purely on a, a friendship level and some on a ministry level for one reason or another who have lost hope or hope has been stolen or robbed or maybe they've had no hope at all. It's interesting that we've talked already about the word hope. And two things that I have found important in those conversations is not to debate what's wrong with your life, not to debate what's that person's doing wrong or, or, or judge them or be critical with them, but there's two simple things that I have learned that is, is, is pretty effective in a conversation like that. But there are two great truths. Is one, God loves you. He created you. And the second is God has a purpose for your life. Last Monday, I'm still on my ramble, so we're going to pull this all together. Last Monday, Amelia was at uh, Rich Hill Presbyterian. I don't know whether it was in the morning. She goes in the morning, then she goes to school, and then she goes in the evening to play football. But in the evening time, she wanted to tell me this story about a, a young boy. Uh, like, I'm adding to it, but basically her, her, her translation of the story was that God wanted to speak to a boy. And so the prophet told the boy, go back and lie down. It's from First Samuel. It's where God's calling Samuel. Go back and lie down and wait and God will speak to you. Have you ever had a time in your life where you're busy? We talked about people being in ministry and being busy. You've, you're trying to juggle family life. You're trying to juggle work. You're trying to juggle ministry. You're trying to, to prepare for a weekend like, like we're having this weekend. And I've had one of those weeks where everything's busy. And to add to that, on Wednesday night we were doing a leadership uh, training night or, or a sort of a training thing. And and so to throw in on the top of that, we had three chapters of this book to read that uh, it was way over my head, um, uh, and, and, and it was just like busy, like stuff to do. I'm busy, Lord, of stuff to do. And so that, uh, that, on that Wednesday night, David and Neil and myself went to, to that uh, leadership training night uh, expecting to have a whole grilling on these three chapters that we were to read and, and go through. And uh, we're biting our nails. Well, David's not because, well, he is because he read the wrong chapters. <laughs> but most times he doesn't read them at all. Uh, but, uh, and we're sitting there and the whole night just changes. And what came out of that Wednesday night was that we can be busy doing stuff. We can be busy learning about God, learning good leadership skills, learning how to be all these things and doing all this stuff. But what came out of that night was that we sometimes in the midst of all that, in the midst of all the busyness and all the things that we have to do, we can forget to encounter God himself. And we had a beautiful time as leaders. We worshipped and encountered God together. And as a result of that, I got up on Thursday morning. I normally get up early because it's my time to have some solace, some time with God. I got up early. And I thought, I got up early and, and, and I would be normally focused on all the things that we have to do. 
was probably focused on the fact that I was speaking here on some today. But I said to the Lord, I purposely said, you know what, Lord? I'm going to set that busyness aside. I want to encounter you. I know the weekend's coming up. I know I have a lot of work to do. I know I have a lot of things that I need to divide my time off into. But Lord, I'm just pushing that all to one side because I want to encounter you. And in that moment of encountering him and just in that moment of having a cup of tea and, and sitting, just being in quiet, God reminded me again of that story that Amelia shared with me on the, Wednesday, on the Monday evening that I was probably too busy really to listen to. So I opened the Bible and started to read that. God speaks to a young boy called Samuel. He's about 12 years of age. Elkanah and Hannah had given their young boy into the temple so he would, he would serve the Lord. We all know the story, or maybe we don't, but it's a great story about this woman who, who wanted a child. We read of Eli. Eli was an old prophet and there was a lot of things going on in his life. He was busy. His life was busy. And one thing that we hear was that the word of the Lord was rare at that time. They hadn't heard the word of the Lord for a long time. And so the young boy is lying in his bed. He's been there for a few years and he's lying in his bed and this voice speaks. And the young boy jumps out of bed and runs to the old prophet and says, what do you want? And, and the prophet says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And this happens three times. And then on the fourth time, when the boy comes back, all of a sudden, Eli, this prophet, Eli's a prophet now. He's the man who hears from God. It takes him four times to hear. Four times to understand that this, on the fourth time, he only understands that it's actually God speaking to Samuel. There's something in that. You know what? We can be prophets. We can be great prophets. But we can be so may be disappointed with what's going on in our family life. We can be so, uh, so disappointed that God hasn't spoke recently. We can be so caught up in what's happening all around us that even prophets sometimes miss the voice of God. And so the prophet says to Eli, go back and lie down. It's probably God speaking to you. And so he does. And he said, when, when he does, just say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that was the line that Amelia brought out to me. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I had, I decided that I was taking an hour just out of everything I was doing. So I thought, well, I haven't read my reading plan for a few days because I've been busy. I've been busy doing stuff. I've been busy doing stuff for other people on other occasions. But I haven't been hearing from God myself. And so on Wednesday, I missed out my time in reading and my reading plan. It was the first part of Luke chapter 1. And so Thursday morning, I read the first part of Luke and the second part, the whole chapter of Luke. It's an amazing story. Again, it's about God speaking. And so um, I'm grabbed by that. I'm grabbed by Luke chapter 1, how... God sent an angel to speak to Zechariah and Elizabeth. He's, he said, Zechariah, your wife, 
your wife who's 88 years of age, she's going to have a son. And so, um, so it, I'm just amazed by the response of this prophet. This man's a prophet. Let me tell you, this man hears from God. His wife is a prophet also. They come from a line of people who have served God. And yet, their response is, a, uh, is one of doubt. And he basically says, God, I'm too old. We're too old for this. And so they doubt God. If you read the second part of Luke chapter 1, it's God goes, an angel comes with a message again. And it's to a girl, and this girl's called Mary. And God speaks a word to Mary and says, you're going to have a son. I love the response of Mary in this. It's amazing. And so we have two prophets, and they doubt God. But we have this young girl, she's probably somewhere around the age of 12 or 15. And her response to the angel speaking and telling her what's going to happen, her response is, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. She goes and she visits Elizabeth, the first lady, the older lady. It's her cousin or far-out relation. And, and, and Elizabeth's baby, John the Baptist, jumps within her. And why am I saying all this? Why, why, what's, what, why am I throwing out all these things? The farmer pays a high price for the field. God paid a high price for us. We sang that and thank you for the cross, Lord. The farmer works hard to redeem a field, to make it new, to make it ready. And God, through his Holy Spirit, works hard to redeem us. It's called the process of sanctification. We aren't all where we should be, but most of us aren't where we used to be. We're on this journey. It's called the journey of, of sanctification. But the farmer doesn't do all this work and just create something to look good or something to boast about. He just doesn't leave it at that point where I was going to leave it last weekend. A gardener might do that. If there's any gardeners here, what they do is for vanity. Mostly what a farmer does is for produce, is to create something. The farmer does this with a purpose in mind. And the purpose comes near to fulfillment when seed is sown in the ground. Two things here. If, if the field, and we're comparing this field to a heart, doesn't go through all this hard process of getting ready, goes through all this process of getting all cleaned up and all all in perfect condition, isn't quickly sown with something, isn't quickly something put into that soil, one thing will happen is it will return to its old state. It will return to its old state of hardness. It will, 
if open soil is left to the elements, when the rain comes and the frost comes, what happens is stones rise up in the soil and become stony again. A stony belt happens across it. Or weeds will quickly germinate in that ground. Neil two weeks ago talked about uh, soil being overworked or busy soil and how useless that can become. Underworked soil or soil with no purpose is useless as well. It's a place for weeds to grow. I'm going to embarrass Neil a little bit now. Uh, he's got his eyebrows down in the hope that I don't. But he talked, he talked, um, he talked, and he showed us how he pulled those weeds out of his garden. You remember the way he used his hands? He was really good at ripping out those reeds in that area of his garden, the way down at the back. And how he pulled those out. But there's a thing to learn is. That unless you have a purpose for that piece of ground. Weeds will just return very quickly. Purpose changes. And seed. And seed needs to be sown. And the farmer knows the seed that he needs to. The seed needs to get in before the weeds germinate. So it is with our hearts. And Neil talked about this. He talked about us sowing seeds. Anastasia on the same week was talking about sowing seeds with the kids out in rock. Sowing seeds of generosity and kindness. And Neil did the same here that Sunday morning. Sowing seeds. David talked about speaking words into people's lives. Those words are powerful. They're seeds. And God wants to speak seeds into our lives. The second thing is that when a farmer sows a field, when a farmer goes out to sow a field, he has a purpose in mind. He doesn't sow carrots and hope that the produce is potatoes. He doesn't sow strawberry or plant strawberry bushes and hope that he's going to get bananas. God, let me remind you of that verse. Before God created us, he had a purpose in mind. And that purpose will be fulfilled as he speaks and sows words into our lives that will cause this to happen. We need to be ready, like the soil, ready to receive those words. See, he spoke a word into Samuel's life. Young Samuel, he was 12 or 14. He spoke into his life. He spoke a word into Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. They were of an old age. And he spoke a word into Mary's life. She was a young girl. Psalm 148 says, From nothing to something he spoke and created it all. That's the God we serve. And I just wonder as we examine our hearts, are we ready to listen from a word, a word from God? Are we ready to hear and see what God is saying? Will we be like Eli the prophet? Will we be so concerned about what's going on? Will we be so concerned about our family issues? There's a whole story in that himself. Eli's sons were to be the ones that were to succeed him. But they were, they were rascals. Are we so concerned about what's going on? Are we so, have, has it been so long since we heard the voice of God? That... Uh, that we, we won't hear it at all. 
We're going to be like Samuel, the young boy. He was young, but he was uninformed and didn't recognize God's voice. And he missed it several, several times. Will we be like Zachariah and Elizabeth who maybe has lived with some disappointments and doubts and, and doubts and because of that they doubt God's word? Or will we be like Mary because of her heart? She found favor in God's eyes and basically said, this is what she basically said. You are God and I am not and be unto me. As you have said. Eli the prophet said to Samuel, Go back and lie down. Go back into the quiet place and listen carefully. And when the Lord speaks, your response should be that, the same as Mary. Speak, Lord, for I'm taking the posture to listen. This is all about seeds entering the heart. Mary's life was changed. Zechariah and Elizabeth's life was changed. Samuel's life was changed and you know what generations were changed and nations were changed because of these people because their hearts were ready to receive what God had and they acted on it in Matthew 13 it goes on to talk about seed it talks about mustard seed mustard seed for those of you who don't know mustard seed is the tiniest seed but it grows into the biggest plant. And Jesus refers to that. And he said that's what the kingdom of God is like. God plants a wee seed into our hearts. And that seed grows. And it grows so big, Jesus goes on to say that it even has enough room to protect the birds of the air. Sounds like people of hope to me. Sounds like people who are, have got something that they carry that's bigger themselves. We're called to be the hope of the world. And what I see is God is speaking. But many of us, myself included, we're too busy to listen. We don't take time to listen. Or stuff is crowded around our hearts that won't allow us to listen. There's stuff within our hearts that won't allow that seed to take root and grow. You know, a tiny seed planted in the heart. One wee seed planted in the heart will steer your life. Many people say they don't have hope. They have no clue. But they've never stopped to listen to what God's saying. That tiny seed will give you hope. It will give you purpose. It will cause fruitfulness. That word fruitfulness again was them two streams coming together, man and God, coming into harmony together, working together to create something greater than the sum of the two. That's why Jesus used those words. He said, greater things you will do. It's not because you're powerful, all powerful. It's because of the two coming together. Two things I want to end with. Two things that are needed for harvest as I end. One is a prepared soil. But the second is a seed. And it's the farmer. In this story, the farmer is God. He plants the seed. But our hearts need to be ready. 
we've gone through the process of having our hearts prepared and coming, becoming like good soil. And now we need to receive a seed into our lives. We need to have that sense of expectation that Eli the prophet lost. That God wants to speak. That Zechariah, that God wants to do something that Zechariah had lost. We need to become like Mary. Good woman she was. Verse 48 or 45, Elizabeth explains why Mary is so blessed. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will, will be accomplished. That was the condition of Mary's heart. And so when the seed was dropped into that heart, it was ready to produce. I just want to pray as we end. Judith's going to come and play and they're going to lead some songs. But as we, as we play, I just want us to take just a moment. Our time's gone. But just take a moment. Maybe, maybe God wants to plant a new seed in your heart. Something new in your heart. And so we just want to give time for that. And then you'll lead us in some songs. Let me pray. Father, we bow before you and uh, we ask you to come and presence yourself strongly among us. Lord, the desire of our hearts is fruitfulness. We want to carry this hope. We want to be filled. We want to be excited with this hope that you have placed within each one of us. Lord, we recognize the fact that you've called us to be the hope of the world. But Lord, for one reason or another, the condition of our hearts has changed a little. Our hearts have become a little cold and a little dull, maybe a little tired and a little hard. Father, we've lost that excitement, that awe, that wonder, that joy. And so, Father, as we, as we just wait upon you, we ask, Lord, that you would come and and sow seeds into our hearts. Tiny seeds. 
but are those tiny seeds, Lord, we understand that great trees will grow or great plants will grow. And they'll shelter the birds of the air, which even you care about. saying that he's going to plant small, tiny, insignificant or seemingly insignificant ideas and things in your mind. And what God would say would be, don't try and work those out. But just be like Mary and say, Lord, whatever you say, because at the end of the day, you're the boss. small ideas I, I, I do believe God is going to surprise us he's going to surprise us as he just as we respond to those tiny seeds some of you you have no direction in life saying just just do what I tell you to do for you you need to hear that this seed will steer your life this word will steer your life will steer you through the path Thank you. 